have a Welcome back to the Vet SOS show. Yeah. Brought Thank to you, you by the Leading Node Network. Remember, don't drown in the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS Lifeline. I'm here as always with my partner, Mark. Mark, I hope you're ready for some great knowledge bombs being dropped today with our guest here, Vern. How are you doing today, Mark? Hey, I'm doing great. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time zone you're in. Uh, thanks for joining. And yes, I can't wait to hear from Hira. She's got just amazing things going on for uh, not only the veteran community, but in, in the education space. So I'm really excited to hear that and then how all that ties in links with the VA. So uh, let's roll. <laughs> let's get right into it. Um, remember, though, if you want to uh, stream this on your social media as live content, uh, original content on yours, just Hit us up with hashtag pairing, and we'll tell you how to do it through the Restream platform, and it comes out as original content on your social media, which is outstanding. Uh, so we got our guest here, Burn, with us. I have an introduction, but I think she does it better than I could ever do it. So I'm going to turn it over to you here. How are you doing today? And please tell us a little bit about yourself. I am doing great. Thank you all for having me. I always enjoy connecting and sharing resources with the community because that's what it's all about. So love the work that y'all are doing. I'm going to apologize. My dog just found his crinkle toy. So you might be hearing some of that in the background. Um, but hello, great. everyone. <laughs> I'm Hira Byrne. I am a certified rehabilitation counselor, higher ed professional. Um, so how did I get into this space and what do I do? Um, I am a military spouse. Uh, my husband is an active duty career enlisted Marine, um, but he's not the reason I do what I do. Um, it's actually my grandfather who was a World War II POW. Um, and I watched him with, adjust to his disabilities and military trauma very late in life. Um, he had a great career post-military and once the dust settled and he had some time to sit and reflect, um, that's when a lot of it came to him. And so I was very inspired to work with the veteran community and see how I could support that transition and that adjustment. I come from a family of people with disabilities, including myself. Um, and we all know who we are and, and how these disabilities integrate into our life because we've grown up with them. But watching my grandfather kind of struggle with that um, late in life, I mean, he was in his 70s, 80s when this really kicked off, um, was important to me. So uh, then I accidentally married this Marine and it just kind of went from there and I kept going in this space. Um, and so I decided to go to school and become a rehabilitation counselor. Um, and that means I can work with uh, people with disabilities, not just mental health. And I decided to center it on working with service-connected veterans. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of great organizations out there working with veterans in these spaces. So within higher ed, we have Service to School, Warrior Scholar Project, Boots to Books, just to name a few. Um, and then you have some really great organizations that are doing the disability stuff and that transition um, but I wanted to support the veterans that are pursuing higher education. It's kind of a unique area of that experience of what are vets doing when they get out. Um, and so I was a disability counselor and basically worked on helping veterans find their way to academic accommodations. Um, a lot of veterans, especially when using the Veteran Readiness and Employment or VRNE as most veterans refer to it, don't realize that there are additional services they could be uh, accessing while they come to school. And if you're going for VRNE, you're already seeking voc rehab, which 
is because you're a service-connected veteran. Um, so there's obviously some connections to what else you could be using. And a lot of veterans weren't aware that that even exists. Some of this was also encouraging interdepartment collaboration. Uh, no fault to the departments, but we get very siloed on campuses. Um, so it was really creating bridges and pathways to connect disability services with veteran services and making sure they knew how to work with one another. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have veterans who are using VRNE, using different services, but then also maybe not aware of the community-based resources that are available to them. Um, some of them are seeking the VA. Some of them are not. We know it is a very big system um, and it's not perfect. So I wanted to make sure veterans also in all of this knew what else was out there, what they're eligible for as a service-connected veteran and so that they could access community-based resources. That way they could continue to seek care um, and it didn't have to solely be through the VA. Um, and I think that's some of the times we see that gap is I had a bad experience or the wait is too long, therefore I'm not seeking anything. And it's not that they don't want to always even, it's just where do I even go and how do I find the reputable uh, resources that are out there? So um, that's mm -hmm. kind of me in a nutshell <laughs> and I'll pause there. I love that, especially, you know, stemming from your grandfather. I mean, either between the veteran doing it themselves and experiencing things or us watching our family members go through things, that's such a powerful connection. And I think it just it makes the whole thing that much more um, special because it's personal at this level, you know, and you want to make sure that you're helping as many as you can. And I just applaud you for your efforts. That's just fantastic. And you and I are going to have to talk down the road because I didn't realize that, that there were extra uh, benefits and stuff in there tied to the VRNE. And, you know, that may be a, an avenue that I'm looking at anyway. So definitely interested in learning more about that as we, as we move down the road here. Definitely. Yeah. I, I also, um, <clears throat> I know that in my experience, right. And mine's a little bit different than Sean's because Sean's actually retiring. Um, I was, I was out early, so I didn't actually retire. Um, but my question, I guess, is in, in my experience, having gone, gotten out and gone back to school, mm -hmm. I didn't really get plugged in with the, the VA. I mean, I was at the VA medical center and got my ratings and all of that, but through the university that I went to, there wasn't really any information about, you know, like a VA liaison. So do you find that in your experience that there are people at campuses from the VA that you're working with and coordinating with, and they're available for people that are coming into that college? Yeah, so it is a little tricky. And this is where, um, you know, depending on the size of your institution, the location of it, um, there are veteran service officers, VSOCs, that are part of the VA that are attached to campuses and kind of regions. Um, mm -hmm. So most often the VSOCs are placed at like the big universities, right? The place where the majority of the vets are going to be, but they probably cover a region around them. So they cover some of the nearby schools as well, but they may not physically be on campus and veterans don't always know that they have this actual VSOC in their area. And the VSOC in particular really helps with the VRNE piece of it. Um, so making sure you're getting your proper benefit regarding that program. And if you're post 9-11, all these things, right? They're going to help you navigate that VA side of the educational benefit Although VRNE, I should say, is an employment program, not necessarily an education program. And I know that gets mixed up a lot. Um, yeah. And that's because VRNE is actually geared towards helping you get meaningful employment 
if education is part of that pathway, that's why you see some veterans using VRNE in the education space. Um, but either way, there are VSOCs, right? And so there are those personnel. But again, like many of the things with the VA, it kind of depends on their caseload and all sorts of things on how they're working and integrating and every VSOC's a little different, right? Um, so what's really critical is campuses and student veterans should not be solely relying on these VSOCs to be the knowledge holder and making sure that veterans and the campus is working to support them. So that's where I was really like, wanting to help campuses develop kind of closed system, we can do some really good collaborative work. So if and when the VSOC isn't available or anything like that, we aren't completely without resources and knowledge of how to support this individual. So um, on campuses, you know, not all campuses even have a Veterans Resource Center. Um, sometimes it's a point of contact, uh, you know, a vet rep or just a liaison. Maybe it's running a resource, uh, you know, a different type of resource center that just that's where veterans also go. So it's also critical to not rely solely on veterans resource centers to take care of student veterans on campus. And what I really hate seeing is when campuses say, well, it's on the veteran to let us know what they need. It's on the veteran to speak up and do all this stuff. And if you're really about DE&I efforts, and you're working and creating programs to support really diverse student bodies and their needs and anticipating that and providing the support, then you better be doing that for the veterans as well. First off, veterans have hold multiple identities that usually fall within those other DEI groups. So they're already part of those other groups that you're working with, but then there are veteran specific needs that we need to be addressing and preparing for. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not necessarily the broken veteran model that I think a lot of people assume. This is purely just resources about the transition. Some of this is, again, you know, hey, I have a VA alone that I want to work with. Like, do you know of people who can help with that? It's not necessarily even academic related and it's not a broken veteran model where they all, you know, we need to get them right into a VA medical crisis center. This is just, again, knowing that like any population, there are some needs that we need to be considering that may not be academic and we should be taking care of that holistic perspective of a student veteran. In particular with the service-connected veteran, if you are, maybe you have chronic pain and that's what it is that you need something for, right? Academic accommodations and disability services can provide you some supports that will hopefully make it easier to be present in your learning and engaging. So if you're doing in-person learning, maybe that's making sure you have an ergonomic chair in the classroom, right? If a hard chair sets off your back pain, then we want to make sure you have a soft chair. I mean, it's as simple as that. But again, some veterans don't even know that's an option, or maybe you're in a lab and, you know, you the tables, you need an adjusted table, right? So there's very basic accommodations that veterans may be eligible for. They're not an undue advantage. They're not cheating the system in any way. It's, again, just trying to give you equal access to what's going on. So wanting to help veterans find that, because, again, that can be a very big difference maker in their academic success. I think a lot of times when veterans do have challenges in the in the higher ed setting, sometimes it's related to just not having the right accommodations to really give them that that equal access to the materials. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what I would be working with with campuses on is thinking about these resources, how to create this kind of web system of if this happens with this veteran, who can we send them to? How do we create that support network within our own campus? And again, some big universities, some small colleges have really great, robust services, and they're ready to go. But not every campus has that, right? Some of it is based on resources. So it's creating that web and then also, yeah, that bridge to what is your, who's your VSOC, who's your VA rep that you need to know. And then again, who are your nearest community partners? 
who are your, where are your vet centers? You know, mm -hmm. those are community-based programs. Those are very critical. Those stemmed from the Vietnam War era veterans and needing that community-based model to get veterans to come in and talk to each other. Um, it's knowing again, what are your, the local organizations? You know, where's your VFW? Where's your American Legion? You know, where are the places where we can just reach out to a veteran and say, hey, how can we connect ours to you so that they don't feel so alone? Because, um, you know, we want to reduce the isolation piece in the transition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of what I have seen on campuses and what I've tried to help with. And again, there are some wonderful champions across the country doing this work as well. Um, so I know that there are people out there trying to create a very friendly veteran space in the higher ed setting. I've got a short follow-up uh, to that. Um, sorry, Sean. Um, but I guess the follow-up question would be, are you or is there any body or organization that is developing a, you know, some kind of continuity um, guide or program that this can be replicated? Your efforts and what you're doing can be replicated? Yeah, I think that's one of the hard things is given that each campus is some culture and system, it becomes one of those challenges of like, how do we implement this on all these campuses that, again, depending on their size and resources, may or may not. So it's scaling it where, yeah, these are the tangibles of like, it doesn't matter if you have this kind of titled person, you could be providing this resource. I will say higher ed military is doing that. They are um, working together with uh, higher ed professionals across the country, veteran military connected professionals that are in the higher ed space. Um, trying to bring them together and hearing what are you doing on your campus? And again, how can we streamline this and stop reinventing the wheel? They are pushing out a lot of resources and great information on how to support veteran students as well as veteran faculty. Because um, again, the higher ed space is not just made up of student veterans. We have a lot of military connected professionals in our staff and faculty um, and administrators and all sorts of, you know, tiers of the higher ed space. So they are really working to create those resources um, to help kind of create that fluidity across campuses. And if you're like, hey, I've come to this campus and I don't know what's out there, they're trying to be that where you can go and kind of find out what what could I be doing um, mm -hmm. and connecting you to other institutions that are have great models. Um, Montaigne Long from Texas A&M is doing phenomenal work. Um, mm -hmm. So she's one of those people that, pe you know, many are following. Um, Jill Wolf with uh Grand Valley State, I'm going to apologize if I botched your university, Jill, um, but Jill Wolf is doing great work. Mike Brown out of Villanova. Um, you can follow a lot of the models that, you know, Penn State is doing with their world campus when you look at kind of that virtual space and how are we supporting veterans. Um, so there's a lot of really great schools doing great things and you can follow them and say, is their model going to work where I am? And if not, how can I tweak it? And the great thing is these veterans and these programs are saying, we want to help you. We aren't going to silo it and keep it for ourselves. It's all about helping student veterans. So I will say to these professionals, if you reach out and say, hey, how did you build your program? They're going to say, here's how we did it and probably give you advice on how to scale it to your institution. So there is a network. I'd say higher ed military is one of the, the great ones to follow because they're kind of bringing all these professionals from across the country. I can, yeah, I, I can attest to Penn State. I, I did my master's through the, the world campus and they were phenomenal working with us. Oklahoma is another good one that I've worked with. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's already laws in place where a lot of this stuff is supposed to be done. Is it a case that it comes down to 
someone's passion and dedication to doing it that makes the difference versus, you know, just someone checking the block or, or am I off base on that one? I think it comes down to like every program you've ever seen is, yes, I've been tasked this. Do I have the bandwidth? So some institutions have a lot of funding and a lot of support and a lot of backing from administration to say, go do this, build this infrastructure. We want it here. Others are saying, we want it here. And here's, you know, fit this into your 10 million other hats you're wearing and good luck. So I don't always think it's the fault of the institute, you know, the person who's supposed to be doing it. I don't think it's always their fault if they can't do everything under the sun. Some of us are really just trying to keep our heads above water in the higher ed space. Sounds familiar, I'm sure, to some of you. Um, and so I think that's part of the, the challenge. But it's realizing what can you do with the time and resources you have, um, being intentional with all of it. So you don't have to have this large, full-scale, blown program if you don't have the bandwidth for it. What that means is then relying on new community resources. That's creating those pathways to the vet centers, to the VA, to local, you know, uh, veteran transition specialists. So if you don't have the bandwidth, you at least have a resource to hand your veterans off to instead of just leaving them floundering. And I think that's the, the gap that is still being addressed in some spaces. Um, so I think that's, that's the critical piece there. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. But it's good to know that like higher ed military is actually trying to make a difference and trying to bring everybody together and, and I guess for lack of a better term, show, show them what right looks like uh, so that everybody can try to do it. It's, I, I, I would, I would say it's easier to set up a program when you have a model to follow. Yeah. Um, for sure. But so you sent us a couple other organizations that yes. uh, you have either worked with or are involved with or, or really support. Um, some of the ones that you uh, mentioned were Paralyzed Veterans of America, Warrior mm -hmm. Care Network, Cohen's Veterans Network, Safe Project. Yeah. And then you also brought up some school specific and yes. service to school, Boots to Books and Warrior Scholar Project. Uh, yeah. Tell us about some of these. I mean, what, what, why are you so passionate about these? Yeah. So for the education space, service to school, if you are getting ready to look at an institution but don't know where to start or you're getting ready to do your application, service to school is a free program for transitioning service members and veterans to get support in finding your academic program and applying. They will see you all the way through. And that means applying, getting your offers and understanding what the heck each school is providing you, and then making an informed decision on what campus you may want to attend. Um, Warrior Scholar Project provides free academic boot camps, so you get a chance to meet faculty, practice learning again, and engaging in that uh, in-person learning environment. And it really, it's a great thing if you've had a gap since you've been in school to feel more prepared. Boots to Books provides a lot of wonderful resources, webinars, and information on, again, the higher ed transition space, as well as other certifications. Um, so I definitely encourage anyone who's in the learning space, whether again, that's higher ed or wanting certs or anything like that to follow all of these organizations. Um, and again, if it's not for you, remember it for a buddy. And then the disability community resources that I think everyone needs to know about. Um, Paralyzed Veterans of America has a veterans career program. So they provide a lot of webinars for service-connected veterans on a variety of topics. Some of this is, you know, benefits related. Some of it is employer connections. Some of it is, again, knowing your rights as a service-connected veteran. Um, and so it's very important to follow PVA. I know Wounded Warrior gets the first look from a lot of people. 
And people assume you have to be a paralyzed veteran to use PVA, but you don't. And it's really critical that you go there because they have a lot of talented individuals who are well-versed in voc rehab, going back to VRNE there, y'all, um, yeah. and, and resources. So it's very important to follow them. The Warrior Care Network, I think, is one of the programs that people don't know about enough, and it's it's phenomenal. So it's actually a partnership with Wounded Warrior Project and four world-renowned academic medical centers that provide free programs to transitioning service members, veterans, and their families. So this is one that doesn't leave the family out. It's very important. They have the Home Base Foundation in Boston. They have the Road Home Program in Chicago. They have Emory Healthcare Veterans Program in Atlanta, and then the UCLA Health Operation MEND in LA. And again, these are free programs that have both residential and virtual hybrid online programming. And they're working on um, addressing TBI, PTSD, MST. Um, and so it's a mental health network, basically. And again, oh. if you can't get into services at the VA, don't leave your mental health on the back burner. Reach out to these organizations, these programs. That also is what Veterans uh, Cohen's Veterans Network is also doing, is community-based mm -hmm. mental health. So again, this is one of those resources that we all know how to go to the doctor for our physical ailments. What are we doing for the mental? So that's where Warrior Care Network and the Cohen's Veterans Network, I want people to know that they are out there if you need any mental health support. And even if you don't end up seeking their care, just know they're there. And again, remember it for a buddy. One of the ones that I think we don't talk about too, it's a little taboo, even more taboo than the mental health is the substance abuse um, in the, in the yeah. community. And some of that is related to prescribed prescriptions. Some of that is self-medicating. Um, but SAFE Project, it's the Stop the Addiction Fatality Epidemic. And they have a SAFE Veterans Program. So dedicated to working with the military population on these topics. They even host a virtual weekly veteran recovery group. So again, this can be even harder to go and say, hey, I need help with. So I just want people to know that SAFE Project exists and they have a veteran-specific program. Because again, sometimes that uh, addiction has stemmed from military-related stuff and it's a little bit harder to talk about it. Um, so I just want people to know those are out there and to seek them if you need them. Because, you know, again, these are the things I think we don't, we have hard conversations about, but um, it's it's still something we see the gap, right? We're still losing too many of our friends every day. Oh, man, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, I had never heard of two of those. Uh, and that that's just phenomenal. Um, definitely. And we, we still have the stigma. You know, people just, I don't know if it's because we're, we're warriors and, you know, we're not supposed to be weak. I don't know if that's part of the mental game that we have or we just think people are going to think bad, but. I'm with you. If you need to seek help, go seek help. I know I have. I've used myself as an example with my soldiers through the years to show them that it's okay. You know, you need to go get the help you need and, you know, not, not allow this to basically be the ultimate, um, what do they call it? A uh, permanent uh, solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we definitely don't want to turn into that. And as we're learning, now the numbers are possibly 44 a day, if not even higher than that. So it, 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 we definitely need to keep these organizations. Uh, and Warrior Care and Cohen's has stuff for the families. Um, as a military spouse, I know how hard it is to watch your service member or veteran go through all of this. Yep. Um, so don't, I, I want to encourage families too, to seek their own support in, oh, yeah. in navigating all of this. So don't do it alone as a family member either. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I feel like we just started. Like you have a ton of information and you you are involved in some amazing things. We're going to have to bring you back on, but we are getting down to the end of the, yep. the, the segment. Um, so what do you want? In fact, let me, I almost forgot to bring up your, uh, your contact information, uh, <laughs> yeah. how people can connect with you and follow you. Uh, and I definitely encourage you to do that. She's a wealth of information. But what do you want to leave our audience with? Like what kind of information do you, do you really want your, your final point to be with them? You know, we always hear the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. And that's a really daunting phrase. So I think whenever you're in a space, whatever it is you're doing, make sure you're reaching out to somebody well-connected in that space to find out what it is you don't know. So if you're in higher ed, reach out to those organizations, reach out to the professionals on your campus. If it's, you know, other places and spaces, make sure you're not just walking in and saying, I can do this all on my own. Um, nobody does it on their own, not us civilians either. We all have our mentors. We all have those people we call on. Ha you have a buddy system in the military. You should have one when you get out. So build your tribe, build your network. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be a thousand people. You just need that one good mentor who's going to make sure you know what's out there. And, it, and if they don't know, at least connect you to somebody who does. Because again, there are a lot of organizations, nobody can know it all, um, but they probably will know at least what it is in their silo of expertise. So um, it's okay to ask questions when you get out. That's my big thing. Boom. <laughs> it is okay to ask questions. Uh, Mark, I'm telling you that there is a reason here is well-respected and well-connected in the veteran support community. You know, her, her heart's in the right place. She cares. She's a wealth of information and, you know, just an absolute person that everybody should be following and reaching out to for questions. You got anything in closing there, Mark? No, I, I well, I do. Um, I just am blown away. I mean, that, you know, got people in the community like Hira that are doing this. Um, it's a testimony to not only um, what she's doing, but what a lot of other folks are, are trying to achieve for the veteran community. And I, in particular, I think it's great because you know, you got retirees who get a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the extra, right? They get a lot of support and, and the focus I think is many times on them. Mm -hmm. And you got the foreign outs and, you know, kind of in between that, that they're, I think a little lost in the shuffle. So I think it's just phenomenal what you're doing here. And, and I really applaud you. Thank you. I appreciate you all having me on. Absolutely. And we're definitely going to have to get together again. I know we just scratched the surface of what you're involved in, what you got going on. Uh, but if you're looking to get into doing some higher education, continuing education after your service, definitely need to connect with Hira and, and learn about what's out there for you to take care of you. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today uh, to the Vet SOS podcast. Remember, don't drown in the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS Lifeline. Bye. Uh <laughs>